Awesome. Well, it's a tremendous privilege and an honor to be here. Um, I, I thank you so much for that warm embrace and the hand clap and the welcome. Now, let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Anybody excited about Jesus today? Amen. Amen. It's so good to see people in here, right? The last time you guys saw me, for those of you um, that are of Walk Church, you saw me on a screen, and, and, and that's a little different. I was in a room just standing in front of a camera with a time ticking, and uh, it's good to see faces, amen? I could see your reaction, your response, and, um, you know, that does me well. It sets the atmosphere right. But I believe God's already in the place, amen? For the Bible tells me that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And this worship team has already ushered him in. So let's give it up for the, uh, the worship team again. Amen. Amen. Are they not awesome? Amen. Amen. And while you're giving it up, let's give it up for the leaders of this house. Pastor Hayden and his wife, Nina. Amazing, amazing individuals in the kingdom of God. And, and as I mentioned, I'm, I'm privileged to be here. You know, the way I look at it is like this. The first time, you know, you invite someone somewhere, you know, they're a guest. And then the second time, they're a friend. The third time, they're just family. Amen? Amen. So I feel like I'm amongst family. And as Pastor Hyden would say, what up, fam? <laughs> Amen. 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 I'm excited to be in the house today. And I, I, the reason why I honor your leaders, and, and just give me an opportunity to brag on them for a moment and say this, it's because of, of their, their, their stance, the particular stance that they've taken. I look at them like kingdom advocates because unlike a lot of people, they're not really looking to just focus on the growth of walk church, but it's more of the growth of the kingdom of God. Amen. And so what they're doing with the Sin Network and with developing leaders and also with planting churches is this is a bigger picture. It's bigger than just what Walk Church is doing. And, and that's unusual, unfortunately, because there are a lot of people who are self-focused and they're not focused on God's bigger picture, but I believe they see it. So again, help me celebrate them for that. Amen. Like he said, there's a lot of clapping that goes on, amen, so we'll just ride with it today, amen. But I did hear him say I could be free today, is that right? Yay, because where the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, amen. And so we want to operate in freedom this morning. And speaking of family, I want to show you a picture of my family. Um, they're not here with me today, and they're home watching, but I want you to see them. That's my beautiful family there, my wife. Uh, we've been together for 18 years now. And uh, we've been married for 15 and a half of those 18. And along the way, God blessed us with two little ones. I call them my nuggets. Amen. I got a 13-year-old nugget and I got an 11-year-old nugget, so they're a little bigger than that now. And the original plan was for us to have three nuggets. But, you know, once that second one came, he was like having three in one. So, you know, we shut down operation production. And, uh, you know, unless we have another one, it's going to be an absolute miracle. I promise you. That, that's one thing I know for certain. Uh, because I told my wife, I said, listen, if we have another one like him, I, I just don't know if I can handle it. When he was little, he was a terror. He's amazing now, but just back then, I mean, look at that face. He, you know, I'm telling you, he's something to deal with. And, uh, and I love this picture. This is one of my favorite pictures, and, and, and in part because it just, you know, everything looks together. Everybody looks all cool, and, you know, we look magazine ready. But this other picture here, this is really what my family kind of looks like, to be honest. Like, that's real life. Like, that's quarantine family life. 
where we're stuck in the house and kids are in school and, you know, I'm working from home and just, you know, the chaos of us being up under each other every single day, that's, that's really what it kind of looks like a little bit more than what that first picture looked like. And I want to give a message today for anybody that is a first-time guest. Um, you know, I want you to, to, to pretty much come back, please, all right? If you're logging in and you're watching on YouTube, I, I made the mistake of, of peeking in um, on Facebook, and I saw someone on there. I think her name was Nicole, and she was in, like, North Carolina, and she's like, I'm on here every week. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because her expectations are like, you know, she's waiting to see that cool pastor with the, with the, with the fresh fade and the cool sneakers every week, and then all of a sudden you got, hey, like, who is this? It's like going to the Lakers game, and, and, and they're like, LeBron's not playing today. You're like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. You know what I went through to get here? But I promise you, I believe that with God, there is no happenstance, chance, or luck. There are no just happenings when it comes to God, but everything is divinely orchestrated. And I believe that God sets all things in order for a purpose. And so if you're here today, I believe that this message will be specifically for you and what you need. Amen? Or you're logging in. We want to send a shout-out to everybody that's at home or whether you're driving in your car or wherever you are. Uh, we want to send a word of, of uh, thanks and gratitude for you joining us today. Um, I, I want to say this. When I was talking to Pastor Hyden and we were talking about this particular series, anybody excited about the God of More? Has this been a good series? Just been awesome. I've been patching in and I've been watching some of the messages and catching up with everything. And uh, I, I, I didn't really tell him that when we were talking, something had already kind of taken place in my life. And uh, that's a cool shirt, man. I want a shirt with the God of more. That's dope. Amen, amen. So, so as, as we entered into this year, my wife and I, we, we did something a little different. So we decided that, you know, we were going to seek God. And this was before pandemic and all of that stuff. We were going to seek God. And, and, and God, how can we, like, really focus in this year? How can we do things differently? And, and how can we be better than we've been? And so we both prayed and we said, okay, we're going to pick a word individually, and that's the word that we're going to focus on for the year. We're going to pray, ask God for strength to help us through that. And, and we came together and we talked about our words, and, and then we came back together and we said, now, now we need something collectively between the two of us. Like, what, what is God asking us for? What is God pushing us to? Like, what word? And the word was more. And believe it or not, if you look at this picture that's, that's my bathroom mirror. Like, that's been there since January. And so when we started talking, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Because God was speaking in that moment. And, and as cool as that sounds, like, it's like, hey, God's going to give us more. Like, God kind of challenged us with it as well. Because not only did he tell us that, hey, I, I'm going I'm to give you more. I'm, I'm going to put you in a position for more. But he also said, I'm, I'm also requiring more from you. And so that was a little scary because I didn't necessarily know what that looks like. And when it comes to God, I know that God has a requirement. And, and so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Because the theme scripture of, of this particular series is Ephesians 3 and 20. You'll see it there. And it says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or think. Anybody got a big imagination like me? I don't know about you, but I can, I can think up some, some crazy stuff. Like, my imagination is huge. And you're telling me that, that God is saying that he can do even more than that? 
more than I can even think or imagine in my mind, that gets me excited to understand that God is a God of more. And, and my favorite message so far, Pastor Hyden is talking about that, that God wants to do more in you. He wants to do more in us. And then it made me start thinking about, you know, how God wants to give more to us. He wants to do more through us, but, but he requires more from us. And so that is the title of today's message today, the requirement of more. You got to understand there is a requirement. In order for us to qualify for the position that God wants to put us in and what God wants to do in us and through us, it's a requirement on our part, and God is calling us to more. I kind of had to stop listening to the messages, to be honest, because I was like, all this stuff was like overlapping in my notes. I was like, I got to stop. Or it's going to sound like I'm just up there just saying the same thing over and over. And God confirmed to me, he says, listen, if I repeat something through you, that just means there's emphasis on what people need to hear and that they need to hear it again and that they need to understand and know that, that, that this is important and this is something that we need in our lives. And so I'm going to pray and then we're just going to jump into the word. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. Um, it's never taken for granted, God, but uh, that you would entrust me in this post, God. I pray that you would move me out of the way, that my words would not be my own, but that they would be seasoned with grace and that it would go out and it would accomplish what you set it forth to do, that the word would not return unto you void. Father, have your way today. Give us a mind to hear, a heart to receive. I pray, God, that, that my words uh, would just be a blessing to these people, Father. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen. All right, so we're going to jump into this word. Um, the, the, the scripture passages are going to come from Genesis chapter 22, and I'll be reading from the ESV. Now ordinarily, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I don't ordinarily read um, this many scriptures, but I felt like the depth of what was needed to be conveyed today, I, I can give it to you in a little bit of a synopsis between verses 1 through 8 in chapter 22, and then we can go back and dissect it and go before and then a little bit after, and then we can kind of get the full context of what God is speaking. But I'm going to read these to you, uh, and it'll be Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 8. You'll see it there. And it says, after these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Now, now I'll just be honest. When I study, like, I really, like, I, I try to pick it apart. And, and I pull out words, and I study the words. And, and it was crazy that when I started looking at this, I looked up Moriah. And one of the Hebrew meanings of Moriah was test. And, and, and testing. And so it's just ironic with what this thing is and how God is testing Abraham because he says it right away. It says that he tests Abraham. And, and, and so he says to him, he says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac, he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship, and we will come to you again. 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife and they both went with them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, he says, wait a minute, dad. He says, this is confusing. I've done this with you many times, paraphrasing. He says, I've done this with you a bunch of times, and, and, and I know what this process looks like when we go and we sacrifice and worship God. He goes, we got the knife, we got, you know, the fire, the wood. We have all of the things that are necessary, but, but I don't see the sacrifice. I don't see a lamb. Like, wh- where is it? And, and, and Abraham, he says to him, he says, <clears throat> he says, God will provide for himself the lamb <laughs> for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. This is an interesting passage of scripture and, and, and one that in order for us to really truly understand the depth of this moment, we have to go back a little bit and I have to introduce you to this person uh, that we learn is the man by the name of Abraham. Many of us or that know anything about the scriptures and you hear the name Abraham, uh, we understand that he is referred to as the father of faith. And there's a reason he's referred to as the father of faith because when we meet him in chapter 12 of Genesis, we, we find that he is a man actually by the name of Abram. And Abram means exalted father. And God meets him in this moment because he has a plan for more in his life, much like many of the people in this room. God has a plan for more for us. But in order to get us to the more, there's a requirement process that we have to go through. And so he comes to Abraham and he calls him out and he separates him and he tells him, he says, I need you to go to a land that I will show you. Doesn't give him specifics, doesn't give him details. He just says, go to this land that I will show you. Step out on faith and then I'll give you the instructions as you go. (laughs) That don't sound cool to me. Give me the instructions. I got to know before I get there. I need to know if I'm going to be making a left down the road, what's up ahead, if there's traffic. I need to know everything. But he tells him, he says, go to the land that I will show you, but you need to even separate yourself from your family. Leave everything that is comfortable and common to you and what you know to be your life and your comfort zone. And he challenges him and he calls him out. But not only that, he tells him something that has not yet happened in his life. He says, listen, I am going to bless the nations through you and your lineage. He goes, many people will be blessed. Nations will be blessed. He says, all people will call you blessed. I'm going to give you all of this land. I'm going to do all of these things for you. And and Abram's sitting there, and he's just like, okay. I mean, what can you say in this moment? This is in chapter 12. God gives him a promise, and so some time goes by, and then God revisits him in chapter 15, and God comes to him again, and and he begins to speak to him, and he says to him, uh, after all of these things, it says that the Lord came to him in a vision, and he says, fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, I'm your reward. He says, your reward shall be very great, and Abram says, okay, Lord, wait a minute. What what is it that you're going to give me again? Because the last time I remember you saying that, that you would bless nations through me, he goes, I don't even have a son. And in order for this to happen, like, someone in my household, like, one of my servants, we're going to have to, like, use him to, to birth this son and to, and to have this lineage run through and, and for all of these peoples and nations to be blessed. And he goes, I, I'm just not qualified. How many of us feel unqualified with what God is calling us to we look at our lives and we, we, we don't have our bank account doesn't look the way it needs to look. We don't have the degree. You know, I'm not old enough. I'm too old. Uh, my time is past. You know, I don't have the education. We look at ourselves and we say, I, I don't even have what it takes, God, 
to, to, to do this thing that you're telling me. You're telling me, you're calling me for more. And, and I, don't, I don't get that. I don't know what that looks like. Like God calls us things that we're not before we're those things. Like if you read scripture, it says that, that we're the head and not the tail. And, and you look around and you're like, I, I don't feel like the head. It says you're the lender and not the borrower. Last time I looked at my bank account, like I'm in deep debt. I'm not a lender. God tells you that, that you're a husband or a wife and there's nobody there. You, you look at your life and, and you say, I just don't have what it takes. And in this moment, this is what God does. He calls Abram to a call that is greater than what his reality and his circumstances really look like. And so, you know, as we start looking at this a little bit more, you know, Abram starts asking questions. He's like, okay, well, God, like, what, what, what are you trying to say? God says, no, that's not the way we're going to do it. He goes, you're actually going to have a son. I'm going to bless you with a son. And he says, okay, if you say so. He goes home, he talks to his wife. Her name is Sarai. They have a conversation, and she's just like, okay, Abram, this sounds real silly. You know why? Because you are in your early 70s. I'm in my 60s. We've been trying this for a long time. It ain't happening. And so if, if this is going to happen, then you're going to have to likely go and, and lay with my, my, my maidservant. And, and somehow this, this, this can't work the way that we think it's going to work or how God is telling you it's going to work. And it reminds me of us because we try to fabricate God's blessings. God tells us something, God speaks something to our heart, and, and before we even have a chance to see God's hand move or how he wants to, to orchestrate those things, we just start running and doing things. Like, you know, I'm going to move, I'm going to go here, I'll quit this job, I'll do that, I'll, I'll break this relationship. Like, we do all of these things, and we want to move beyond God's hand. And then we get ourselves in all of these situations that now we are responsible to sustain, you got to understand when God moves on our behalf, he provides the provision for the vision that he gives us. And so we can't figure it out. Amen. We can't figure this thing out because we don't know how God operates. The Bible tells us that God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts not our thoughts. That as high as the heavens are from the earth are his ways from our ways and, and, and his thoughts from our thoughts, which means we can't cognitively reason the way that God does things. For us, it makes sense that like, okay, A, B, in order to get to Z, I got to go through the entire alphabet. I was talking to one of the engineers back there. He said something so profound. He said, God reverse engineers our blessings, that he works from the back to the front. You know why? Because he is, as the Bible says, the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end of all things. Amen. And so if he's the beginning and he's the end of all things, guess what? He's everything in between too. And he knows the journey. See, we don't want to hear anything about a journey. Let's just be real. Tell me the end of the story. That's where I'm going. That's what I want to do. You know, enroll me in online college tomorrow. Ooh, I'm making plans already for when I get that degree. No, man, this is a process. You got to go through a process of being qualified, and there's a requirement in order to get to where you're trying to go. And we don't see that. We don't understand that because we live in a world where more just looks better. I want more. Give me more. Give me more. Right? You see the houses on TV, they're 15,000 square feet, 25,000. Oh, that looks cool. And, and nothing against somebody that has a house like that. Invite me over. I want to come see it. That's cool. But I don't want to manage it because more requires more. If God's going to give you more, it's going to have a bigger responsibility that's attached to it. So that big house, guess what? That light bill's pretty high. 
Envy Energy, it, it ain't enough solar in the world. It's going to be rough, right? You got to keep that house cleaned and maintained. Things break down. You see the cool car, $150,000 car. Man, that's, oh, I would love to have that. <laughs> you know how much that car note is? You know how much it costs? It ain't the $50 oil change. It's like 1000 bucks to get an oil change. To register that thing, it's like thousands of dollars. It's crazy. When you get more, there's more that comes along with it. Everyone wants to be the boss. Let me be in charge. Give me a title. Give me a role. But guess what? There's headaches that comes with that. When you're in charge, oh, man, that ain't fun. Everybody wants the end of the matter, but nobody wants to endure the journey and the process that comes along with it. And so they go ahead and they prematurely fabricate this blessing, and, and, and it created all kind of problems in their house. You got to read this story. It's better than, you know, young and restless and days of our life. I promise you, read through this entire story, starting at Genesis chapter 22. And, and so we're, we're, we're reading this, and, and it says that, that now he's waiting because he's just like, okay, well, God said that, you know, God was going to bless me through my lineage, and now I have a son. My son's name is, is Ishmael, and God visits him again in chapter 17. A lot of visitations. God comes to him, and God says, okay, so it, it's time for this thing to happen. And he's like, okay, so we're going to use Ishmael, right? He goes, no, that, you did that. I didn't do that. He goes, the son I got for you is going to come from Sarah. And he's like, oh, my gosh. It says he starts laughing. And God goes, that's cool. I'm glad you're laughing. You know why? Because I want you to name him Isaac, which means he laughs. So every single time you call him from this point on, you're always going to remember that you laughed when I said what I was going to do. Because guess what? There's nothing too hard for God. And, 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 and what we laugh at, God processes, understands, and knows far greater than us. And he says, in one year, you're going to have this son, and I want you to name him Isaac. He goes, okay, God. Now, 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 the caveat to this is that this is 25 years later. So Abraham is now 99 years old. He's like, this is just ridiculous. That's why he was laughing. His wife is 90. He's 99. He's like, this ain't happening. It, it, it don't work. The factory shut down. This ain't happening. And, and, and so he goes back, and, and he tells his wife, and then three angels, they come and they visit him in chapter 18. And these three angels come, and they say, hey, we're here to, to see your wife. You know, where's your wife? He's like, she's in the house. I, I, I don't know. Gosh, all these visitations. Like, what now? And, and they say, well, well, we're here because now her name will be Sarah. His name was, was Abram, which meant exalted father. God changed his name to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. And her name goes from Sarai to Sarah. You know why? Because God understands that when he's qualifying us, when he's changing us, when he's putting us through a process, we have to be changed. And so he changes their names. He begins to change their identity. He begins to change who they are from the inside out. And, and it says that the angels are talking to her, and, and Sarah's eavesdropping, right? She's behind the curtain, and she's, like, listening to this conversation. She's like, is he talking to himself? He's out there talking to three angels, and the angels say, this time, next year, we're going to come back and visit you again and see this son. And it says that she laughs as well. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible, I promise I can't make this stuff up. I promise that the angel of God was like, why are you laughing? She's like, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. I promise you. Read it in the scripture. Literally, it says this. And, and so, so they laugh at what seemed like it could never happen. And a year comes, Isaac's born. 
100-year-old man, 91-year-old woman, they have this promised child, the thing, the more that God has been promising them. Imagine how they must have felt during that moment. Something you've waited for all of this time, how precious that has to be to you. Something that you've held on to. Some, like, and many of us, you know what happens to many of us is we release hope because hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are some things that we believe God for and you wait so long that it's just like I, I don't even want to expect that anymore because the disappointment connected to that just makes my heart sick. And they went through all of that and God came and blessed them with this son. And so they have this son, and then that takes us up to chapter 22. So that's when we get to chapter 22 in the scriptures that we started reading. And now all of a sudden, imagine this, because I gave you all of the background. Now you understand how important this son is. And God comes to him and says, I want you to take that son that I gave you, this promise that you've waited for for 100 years, and I want you to sacrifice it back to me. Whoa. Can you imagine how that felt? You see, in order for us to understand what the requirement of more looks like, I want to give us some points. And, and I got four requirements uh, for, for what more looks like. And, and I don't know why God gives me this crazy number four. Like the second time that I've been here and two times he's given me four points. I'm like, God, just give me three or five. I was like literally trying to make up more. I'm like, I got to find one more, one more, one more. God's like, that's it, four, okay? So there are four requirements for more. The first one is that more has a requirement of availability, availability. If you look at Genesis chapter 22 in the scriptures that we were reading, the very first verse there in chapter 22 says that God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. Here I am. I'm ready at your call. It's the first requirement for more is that we're available, not available to all the things that we want to do, to everything that looks good to us and everything we're chasing after. No, we're available to God's will and purpose concerning our life. And it doesn't matter what that looks like. Whether you understand it or not, we got to be available to God's purpose and to God's will. The second requirement for more is that more has a requirement of obedience. Obedience. Now, I'm just going to warn you, all of these sting. None of it's like cool stuff like, oh, okay, I, I can check that box off. No, every single one of them, you'll be like, ah, ah, every time. So, so this one is a requirement of obedience. In chapter 12 of Genesis, uh, originally when we met uh, Abram at the time was his name, the Bible says to us, and I'm going to go there quickly, want to be honorable of the time, uh, chapter 12, verse 4 it says that Abram went as the Lord had told him. So when God originally appeared to him and God tells him, go to this land that, that I'm going to send you to and I'll show you as you go. He goes, don't, don't wait for instructions. Don't wait to feel comfortable. Don't go and, and ask all your friends on Facebook how they feel about it. Don't call your mom. Call your sister. Set up a poll on Twitter and see what people have to say. He goes, no, you just obey. I give the word, you go. And that's what he did. He's like, I'm here, I'm available. And then the next thing, when God tells him to do something, he just simply goes. And we see the same thing in chapter 22, because right here at chapter 22, verse 3, it says that Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac, blah, 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 blah. But, but don't skip over the fact that it says he arose early in the morning. 
He didn't wait around all day. He didn't sit and contemplate. It says he got up early and is like, let's go. God, whatever you're asking me to do, I'm ready. So, so he's obedient. It is a requirement of more. As God tests us and as God proves us and as God qualifies us for the more that he has for us, one of the things that we have to do is that we have to be obedient. The third point here is that more has a requirement of endurance. I told you it doesn't feel good. Who, who wants to talk about endurance, right? Because the beginning of chapter 12 when we meet Abram, all the way to his name is changed to Abraham. In chapter 21, his wife's changed, name is changed from Sarai to Sarah. And they have this son that has been promised from 12 to 21, all of those chapters. That's 25 years. We don't want to wait 25 minutes for anything. Think about it. We live in a microwave society. Give it to me as fast as I can get it. That's why the fast food industry is booming the way that it is. Because everyone wants everything fast, as fast as it can be. I want the fastest phone, the fastest computer. Give me, give me, give me the fast, 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 fast. I want everything. I don't want to go through a process. I want to go from A to Z immediately. I don't want to talk about this journey thing. I don't want to talk about this process. I don't want to be qualified. I just want to go. And I need you to know something, that God will not prematurely bless you before you're ready. Because you know what happens when God blesses us before we're ready? We get into a position where all of a sudden, we obtain things that our character is not qualified to keep. And so you end up somewhere that you can't handle. And the responsibility is too big because you didn't qualify. You didn't go through the requirements. You saw my 13-year-old daughter. She's pretty talented. She can do a lot of things. But I ain't giving her the keys to my car. She ain't ready. That's a premature blessing. I'm going to kill her and some other people. Like, we can't do that, right? And so, so it, it is very, very important that, that as we are eager for more, that we understand that it requires us to have endurance, endurance. You know, in, in chapter 22, again, in verse 4, it says this. Um, it says that on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. So when God told him to go to the Mount of Moriah to take his son and go and sacrifice him, it says something that you got to catch. You probably never even paid attention to this. In verse 4, it says, on what day? The third day. So that means three days had gone by. This is a three-day journey. He ain't riding in a Range Rover. They're walking. He got all of this time to think about changing his mind. Think about that. Three days is a long time. I can imagine him walking and thinking to himself, um, what am I going to tell Sarah when I come back and Isaac's not with me? She's going to kill me too and sacrifice me because I don't have her baby boy that she's waited 91 years for. And I don't know how old he is at this point. I'm sure she's in her hundreds at that point. It says that he's old enough to understand how everything that's going on. He asks his dad all of these questions. He, he, he's not a little baby anymore. And all of this time is passing and he's thinking to himself like, God, is there not another way you can do this? Like, like, we really have to sacrifice my, like, why? He's not asking the questions why. You know why? Because he's available, he's obedient, and he's willing to endure. And so he goes the three days. He goes through this entire process and whatever it's taking and whatever God is calling him to. Galatians 6 and 9 that you'll see on the screen there, it says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. I love that scripture. You know why? Because it's a reminder to me to endure. Hang in there. 
Don't grow weary. Grow, grow. Don't, don't allow that to, to come to a place where, where you've developed this ability to give up because it's hard and it's taking longer than what you wanted to. We got to hang in there and we have to trust God through the process. And so we don't want to grow weary in well-doing because it says God has a due season. He has a due time that all things are set to come to you. I started jogging, you know, over the quarantine because I'll be honest, I'm not like a home workout type person. I don't like it. It's just, it's not the same to me. Like I like being in the gym, pushing some iron. And so, you know, I had to figure out something else. And, and I'll be honest, I've been a person that's never been a fan of running. I'm like, that's stupid. Like, I played in the NFL for eight years for four teams, and, you know, that was my job. But it was like quick spurts. Like, I run for, t- you know, 10 seconds, and I stop. I'm like, ooh, cool, back to the huddle. You know, run again for five, six seconds, stop. That's a lot easier than just running just to run. Like, people that run like a mile and all of that stuff, dumb. <laughs> See, I can say that now because I do it. Like, I like it. Like, it's therapy for me. But when I first started doing it, oh, man. I remember the first day I got out there, and I was like, I'm going to just go for a jog. And I ran, like, 30 steps, and I was like, hey. I started blaming it on the mask. Where I'm wearing a mask all the time, so my lungs are underdeveloped. And No, you out of shape, man. <laughs> and it took me a couple of weeks, but, but what I saw was that the more I did it and the more I tested myself and stretched myself, I, I started to build endurance. And so I went from, you know, running a mile and a half to, to, to two miles to three miles, and now I can go three to five miles, and I'm not even breathing hard because I've built up endurance. And that's what happens when God puts us through these processes, when he begins to change us and he begins to challenge us. And so I need you to understand that God wants you to have endurance. It's necessary. And then lastly, the last point here is that uh, God requires surrender. More requires surrender. It requires you to give up what's important to you. Surrender, to submit, to quit, to give up, to give in, to let go. That's the important thing, right? And and when you hear that, all of that is just uncomfortable because we want to hold on to what's important to us. But oftentimes in surrendering, it's surrendering our will, our desire, and guess what? The one that we hate the most, our agenda. Because in our hearts, we have a plan, We see the way that this thing should go. God, you should do it like this. Like, okay, no, we don't need to take Isaac. We can just go and get, I'll go and get a nice virgin lamb. God, it'll be perfect. And God says, no, because Proverbs 19 and 21, you'll see it there. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. God's plans are greater than our plans. And no matter what you build in your mind or what you start to think that this is the way that it should go, God says no. Because when we follow God's plan, that leaves us in the safest place we can be, which is in the center of God's will. And so God is saying to us, much like he said to me, don't focus on what I'm giving to you, but focus on what I'm doing in you. Goes back to Pastor Hyden's message. God wants to do more in you. It's not about just what we're getting. Don't don't get confused when we talk about more, that it's about just obtaining more material possessions. This isn't that. This is stepping up to the challenge and the responsibility of having a greater influence for the kingdom and God using your life to be a blessing more. 
And as I begin to close, I want to finish this story really quick so you understand what took place. So they go up to the top of the mountain. It says that he literally lays his son down on the altar. He ties him up, and it says that, that he takes the knife, and he picks the knife up, and he's ready to kill his son. And all of a sudden, an angel comes and says, stay your hand, Abraham. God now knows that he can trust you. You've passed the test. You've qualified. And I say all that to say this. God didn't need Isaac. He didn't want his son. He didn't want the promise that he gave him. You know what he wanted? He wanted Abraham's heart. He wanted to know that I can trust you with more. And that if I give you more, what I've given you is not going to be more important than who gave it to you. And that you will remain committed to me no matter what I do for you. You're qualified for the more. I'm going to give you a challenge. I know Pastor Hyden gives you guys challenges every week, and, and, and you'll see it here. I want you to ask yourself, what more can I do this week? What more can I do? Like, like how can I challenge? My, how can I be pushed to the next level? Don't just hear this word and just be a hearer only, but be a doer of God's word. Put this to work. Immediately challenge yourself and say, God, what do you require of me? What more can I give in doing what you're calling me to do? and putting me in a position where I'm ready for what it is that you want to do in my life. And so challenge yourself this week. I want to pray quickly, and, and there are two groups that I want to pray for. The first group is, is someone that, that you're, you're sitting here and you're listening, and you're like, that all sounds good, but you, you're asking me to go score a touchdown, and I'm not even on the team. You got to be on God's team in order for him to show you the purpose and will that he has for your life. And so, so today, I'm offering you what God offers you as a free gift, which is eternal salvation with Jesus. There are some people that are going to be baptized today. What an amazing thing. Amen? Amen? That's because they've made a decision that I want to offer you if you're here or you're watching online and you need to make that decision to commit your life to Christ. I'm not telling your life is going to be perfect, but I'm telling you that the perfect one who has life in his hands will have you. And that eternal salvation will be yours and you'll be with Christ forever. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says simply, if you would believe in your heart and you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You'll be with him. And so that's all I want to do is I want to pray with you. And, and I want to offer you that opportunity to come into the kingdom. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made. Let's pray quickly. If that's you, simply just repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to come into your kingdom. Save me, Lord. I surrender. I give my heart to you. Father, I pray that you would help me, God, to be what you're calling me to be. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I know, God, that you allowed your son to die on the cross, to be buried and to be raised again for my redemption, that my sins would be forgiven. And so I surrender my life to you today. I admit all of my sins. I confess and I repent. And I ask you to change my life, God. Make me new. And it's in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The second group that I want to pray for is, is someone that knows that there is a greater requirement on your life, that God is calling you to more. You feel it. The entire time I'm talking, it's like, uh, uh, God is just pulling at you. You know that there's more that God is calling you to. And that's a struggle, right? It's hard to be available. It's hard to surrender. It's hard to endure. It's hard to be obedient. But God is saying, I'm calling you to that today. And so I just want to pray that God would strengthen you and help you in this season as you seek 
to give yourself to him in that way so that the requirement of more can be qualified in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each and every one, God. You know us one by one and name by name. You know what we stand in need of before we ever open our mouths to pray. I pray for that one, Lord, that, that needs your help, God. As we cry out to you, God, even myself standing here today, Father, we cry out to you, Lord, that you would help us, that we would be everything that we need to be, Father. Give us the strength. Give us the endurance, God. Help us to surrender, God. Help us to be available to your will in our lives, God, so that we can be qualified for the more, Lord, that you're calling us to. And so as you work in us, Lord, Father, work through us and develop us and make us into what you would have us to be. We thank you. We praise you. And we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.